0: Hey, it's Brandon from Crowbot, and you're listening to Rock of Nations with Dave and Shane. Yeah. Rock of Nations.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Joel Hi, everybody, this is Rob Halford, the of- Hi, yeah, this is T. Ricky. You
2: folks, this is Ricky, i to triumph, and we're talking rock with Dave and Shane.
1: Crowbot, uh, Feel This is the album, and uh, you guys are just punching out some hard, passionate, hard-rocking tracks, man. And uh, we're just really excited to talk with you. Brandon from Crowbot. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. The sun is
0: shining here in central Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, It's supposed to get really hot today, uh, so we're we're catching it right before the heat wave. So I'm good now, but I'll probably be a lot sweatier
1: later. Yeah. My AC is working. Uh, I think <laughs> I can't hear it, but I, I feel it. So as long as I feel it, that's good. Um, you know, central P so you guys are from uh, central PA, PA, obviously, and you guys have just blown up. Shane and I have been listening and man, we just, we love it. Um, what's the scene out like where you are, like, where, like how did this passion, how did you get passionate about all of this rock and roll and everything? Um, you know, we, we started
0: here in central Pennsylvania. Um, And about 11 years ago, Um, so we've been we've been at it for a little a little while. And and during the early stages of the band, um, we would just play as many shows as we could wherever and whenever we could. And the thing about where where I'm at and where I'm located, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, we measure every everything distance wise by time. So uh, Uh, everything (laughs) is about three hours away. So everything (laughs) is, is within reach. You got New York City, you got Baltimore, you got D.C., you got Philly, um, Pittsburgh's a little further, uh, but we had all these places that were really, you know, at our vehicles capabilities disposal. I'll word it that way. (laughs) As long as we could get there, we could get there. Uh, So, you know, we just, we just played as many shows as we could. And, um, you know, we still continue this day to, to maintain the philosophy of, you, you play the show no matter if there's 15 or 15,000, and that has gotten us very far in our careers because, you know, um, sometimes we played in front of 15, but, you know, two of those 15 people are still with us today, booking us for 10 years, you know? So, um, you know, that's, that that's always been the philosophy, uh, but the, you know, the, the scene around the area in our infancy was a lot of metal bands. Um, so, you know, and even fast forward, 11 years to now we just got done a tour with danzig and cradle of filth which is just you know i mean i don't know if it could get more eclectic than that so so
1: cool
2: well you had (laughs) you guys had kutztown you have uh allentown right i mean you was it was that kind of your stomping ground a bit yeah
0: yeah, could, I mean Allentown, you know, quitstown Bethlehem. We played a lot of shows in Bethlehem, um, Harrisburg, uh, you know, and, and and even here in, in the Pottsville area, um, where I'm at now. You know, we we it was it, it's a very uh, how should I say it? You know, th- this area that I'm in really still loves live music. Um, even though we're, I'm a small town, small town mentality, but everybody loves live music, albeit mostly, you know, cover cover stuff which is where we cut our teeth but um you know it's still live music is is alive and well
2: yeah totally but uh what 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 uh as far as metal goes i mean pennsylvania is pretty special place for for heavy metal fans i mean and hard rock fans i i honestly i've lived all over the country i don't think there's any place i've lived that embraces that kind of music would you agree with with that
0: yeah absolutely And, you know, I could even take that back to my upbringing. You know, I, my, my parents raised me on Rainbow and Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and Uriah Heap and Budgie, you know, COC and things that, you know, things that uh, four-year-olds probably shouldn't be listening to, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, here I am, (laughs)
1: look at me now. (laughs) How much of that goes into the 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 record like the new record feel this i mean how much of that that p a upbringing and and like rainbow and Sabbath and all of that goes into this new amazing album that's been out uh, since June third via mascot records uh
0: you know it's it's we always carry all of that stuff with us and I think the the connection that Bishop and I have and have always had together um has been this common thread of of influences and I think um, you know, all that stuff goes into everything we do, but especially this record, we wanted it to be, uh, "Hey, like, what? Let's 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 take let's take the book out for a second. Let's look at the encyclopedia of rock and roll, and let's put it through the Crobot filter." And uh, that's exactly what we did for this record. And you know, we we, we kind of find ourselves more often than not in the pro, in the writing process of like falling into these like these chunks of songs sound like Bob Seger and these chunks of songs sound like Dio, but these chunks of songs sound like Soundgarden. So we're usually all over the place all at the same time, always. Um, but this record in particular was one that we kind of thought, um, before we went into it of like, Hey, let's, let's like pull from everything and make it this big chronological, uh, order of influences you know so to speak
2: you yeah. guys you got when you guys started out you kind of you were doing your own thing you did self-release stuff then you went to you did a, some singles for nuclear blast you were on wind up um and in the last two years or so or three years i think it's now uh you guys are with mascot how did you guys end up on mascot because they're 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 a really cool label out of the netherlands
0: <laughs> yeah so um with wind up, you know, wind up went under and, you know, they got bought out by Concord and then we got sent to, to razor and tie. And once we got sent to razor and tie, we realized quickly that uh, they weren't ready for us. They hadn't, yeah, they had no idea yeah. we were coming. <laughs> we were not, the they, said, they said, who are you? <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> so uh, we're like, okay, all right. Six months into the record cycle. This is, this is, this is cool. But uh, you know, we we, we at that moment were like all right let's let's work hard on you know getting the next one ready and um, getting it ready to shop around the labels and stuff and and uh, you know we, we took a, a good bit of time to, to really figure things out and were' able to approach um, a number of record labels with with material already in hand um, you know demos ready to go uh, so we, we shopped the the record around, um, you know, not in its complete state, but you know, in it, in, in, its infancy and, and, uh, had quite a few discussions with mascot. And of course their track record speaks for itself, you know, getting Volbeat off the ground and, oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, we're, we're real close with those guys as well. So, um, we, we knew we were going to be in good hands and, you know, uh, more so than anything else, you know, they're, they're very, they've got a very strong presence in American rock radio. So we, we knew that, uh, that was one thing that we, we needed to up the ante on. So uh, we, we found uh, strength in them with that. So, so we knew that they were the right fit as long as we could make things work. And, and here we are, two records in
1: and everything's going great. You've got tracks, uh, Dizzy, Set You Free, Better Times, Golden, uh, Living on the Streets. I mean, it's there's just so much here. I mean, is there other tracks that stand out to you? I know they're all like, you know, artists always say every song's kind of like your, your child. Right. But are there tracks yeah. that, that, you know, you guys especially bonded on when writing and, and, and producing that just kind of set the feel for this record?
0: Um, you know, sometimes when you're working on songs, it it's super easy and sometimes you walk away from it and you're like, wow, that's it. We spent two hours on this and it's done. <laughs> and I, I thought it happened a couple times on this record. Um, and it didn't happen a couple times in this record, but um, you know, those moments where those, those songs kind of write themselves and, and ironically uh, without wings is one of those songs where um, the structure was pretty much and its complete to Austin, Texas. I think we did the music video for uh, everyone dies. And I, I, I made it like a two week trip. Cause at this point in time, like we, it, it was just fresh off of like, Hey, we can start moving around the world again. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm just, I'm going to book two weeks and hope that everything goes as planned. And during those two weeks um, I locked myself in uh, our, our buddy's studio and just cranked out three, three songs. And, I think all three of them made well all three of them were recorded two of them made the record one of them's a, a bonus track but two of them were without wings and living on the streets and those were just easy songs that kind of just came out happened in a few hours and said it and forget it and you know that we pretty much recorded them the way we demoed them so I would say I would say those those two especially without wings you know because that's uh Anything that's got that Sabbath vibes so holds like a, a near and dear place in my heart. Yeah. Love
2: that. Yeah, you oh, see, yeah. I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Brandon. Uh, I think you I think I read somewhere you guys did uh, 16 songs in 21 days for this. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty-two so,
0: days, but we took the 22nd day off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need a break. Yeah, yeah. What do, you, what, what do you guys do with those extra tracks? Will you uh, will they be on another EP coming up, or you got another record store day release in the, in the works, or?
0: Uh, yeah. You know, we're we love exclusivity, and we love you know putting something out there a, a little something extra for the fans. So I'm sure that uh, you know if we get a full record cycle out of this one, we'll we'll do a deluxe edition and and have those those bonus tracks in the end. But if not, we'll find some way to release them. I'm not sure an EP per se um, right. cuz I will tell you they're all over the place. I mean, <laughs> Ratchet, the Ratchild EP was all over the place too. So right. I can't really uh, you know, speak too highly on volume there uh, uh, on that point, but um, you know, I they will be out there in some way shape or form.
1: Nice. You guys yep. have been um, can, oh, go ahead, Shannon I'm sorry.
2: I just want just cuz you brought up Ratchild, that that was that was a really interesting release um i picked that up for, for record store they had frank Bello. it had uh sticks zadino on it uh, howard jones uh from Light the Torch. what what uh possessed you to to put that out was that just something like hey we're gonna throw some stuff at the wall here and see what sticks
0: yeah you know we ha- well we we went into the mother brain sessions with those songs and they just didn't yeah. make the cut um You know, and it wasn't because they weren't great songs and that's why they kept, you know, poking themselves um, at us still, you know, it was and we found that unique opportunity to be like, hey, we're sitting on our hands. What can we do here to, uh, you know, kind of maintain a little bit of momentum and relevancy here? You know, obviously the whole world's in the same point. So um, we're all in the same pause state, but, um, you know, we wanted to still not feel like we we were spinning the wheels. So we had all those songs sitting around, and I mean, they were basically all done and recorded and and ready to go. We just kind of reworked them a little bit. I don't even know, I don't even know that I really reworked many of the the vocal tracks. I think we just kind of used a lot of what was there. Um, because we we're, we're pretty we've we've come to realize we need to be pretty intense in the demoing process um, for everyone to kind of hear what we hear. So, um, thankfully we, we were at a point where everything was really kind of ready to go and, and, uh, they just didn't fit the vibe of the mother brain record. Um, and that's the only reason they didn't make the record. So Mm. we were happy to, to be able to release them in some capacity
1: you guys still ever get stuck in the uh, sort of like demo-itis they call it? I think Paul Stanley said, you know, once it's so easy to get stuck in, you know, you love the demo and and how do we top the demo, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot, Um, you know, especially because usually what happens in the demo process is you're in this vacuum of the band, right? The band is the only one who hears it. We all just like, it festers amongst us and then you know, you release it to be, to be judged by uh, the camp and, and, you know, management and, and booking agencies and, you know, my four-year-old daughter, what she thinks of it, you know? So uh, you get all these opinions and it kind of makes you think about things a little differently, um, you know? But I think um, we, we've always been, um, we've always held on to like the, the, the album mentality and I think that that more or less leads to picking the songs and, yeah. and what actually goes on the record.
1: I love that because so many bands today, it's like, you know, it's a, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with putting out a single here or a single there. I, I think especially during the pandemic, that's what a lot of people were doing, you know, but the album mentality, that body of work, that sort of collection, that snapshot in time, I I, I love that album focus, too, you know, because it's like it's a it's a collage of where you are in that particular time frame, at least how I see it, you know.
0: Yeah, well, that's absolutely how we see it too, you know. And sometimes, you know, going on the uh, the demo itis, you just you hear it for so long. And as a band, we've heard it for so 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 long one way, and then you know you have the other. The producer comes in and, you know, and says, "Let's try this." And and most of the time, you try it and it works, or you know, or it's such a little thing that you know maybe it doesn't sway your opinion. But once in a while. you'll you'll get that wow it just doesn't it doesn't it's not the same vocal effect that we had on the demo can we go back to the to the demo version (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't happen very often but sometimes it does (laughs) especially and that's and that's a that's a big problem taking things as far as we do um in the demo process because you know it's almost you gotta you gotta tell your brain this isn't the finished product yet it's not until we hand in the keys to the studio give them back that okay everything's done now you know yeah
2: you you guys have your sound has has changed not not tremendously but i mean your sound has evolved since 2014 you guys have played with bands like chevelle clutch uh, black label society anthrax motorhead i can go on How, how does playing with bands like that uh you know icons um in in the field how do, is that is there like an osmosis process when you when you tour with bands like that and you, and you come back and you have all these new ideas
0: oh yeah osmosis is in everything that we do you know touring with bands um writing with writers you know we we always look at everything you know working with different producers um you know it it, it all is it's all relative it's all a, a learning experience and a chance to to make it an educational experience so um we try to learn everything that we can from from the guys who came guys and girls who came before us um you know and and tour, and being able to tour with these bands you know you, you, it's just a, a matter of proximity right it's a stronger it's a stronger osmosis so we, <laughs> we we try to uh retain as much as we can as much as our uh our old boy brains will let us retain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I love the term dirty groove rock. It's like, you know, a lot of bands, you know, they just, they have the name. Like if you go to your website, it's it's right there, you know? And I, I love that because it just lays it out, you know? I mean, like, that's like, you know what you're getting and it's just right there in your face. I mean, that's, you know, that, that is there. Well, tell me about um, like you and, and uh, Bishop, like, you guys go back, you guys are the two founders, obviously, right? I mean, just talk about those early days bonding uh, musically, you know, when you first realized you had certain things in common musically. I I, I know you touched on it, but could you go a little deeper into that?
0: Sure. Yeah. So, so the backstory with us is that um, here in central PA, uh, Bishop actually moved here from Tennessee to join a cover band, a big, a big cover band that, uh, you know, toward toured the whole U S and, and, uh, you know, he, he made a uh, a good name for himself that way, especially around the area. And, um, when the band that he was in the, their, their bass player was bass player was leaving. Um, I was in another cover band, just playing bass and singing backups and, uh, their band actually contacted me and said, Hey, you know, we, we've, uh, seen some stuff from you. We really think that you're the guy to come in and, and, and fill, uh, our our bass player's shoes so we want to you know give you an opportunity to come uh and try out for the band and i said sorry nah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because at the time the the band i was in i was going to be i was going to be promoted to to lead singer and i was like "Nah, i kind of just really want to sing i love playing bass but don't get me wrong these guys you give me the opportunity to sing so um bishop was my contact for that and uh the, they kind of circled, circled around and said, hey, man, we really think that you're still the guy. We, we just want you to come and just hang out and try out, hang in a room with us and see if, see if it's something you really want to say no to. This time it wasn't Bishop. And, and uh, now I've learned throughout the years that Bishop was behind the scenes saying, screw that guy. He told us no. I don't <laughs> want to talk to him. <laughs> so we, we, had, we drove an hour one way to every practice i ended up taking the gig of course and and ended up playing bass uh in the cover band and we we drove to practice like two hours every every practice together so we learned really quickly that we we've can't we've come from a similar upbringing similar influences when it comes to bands uh you know and that that cover band we were in was only uh, it only lasted like a month and then uh the singer of that band decided he wanted to start an original band um and and move on so we were left with each other and we just kind of said hey we've enjoyed driving to practice together we've realized that we have very similar uh sonic influences do you want to start a band and i said yeah let's do it uh, but this time I just want to sing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And he really, he's really never seen me front a band at this point. You know, he's just seen me play bass and sing high harmonies and, and, you know, he took a chance and here we are 11 years later.
1: Yeah. And what a voice, man. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Thank awesome.
0: you. What? It's taken me yeah. a long time to get here. So yeah. <laughs> anybody who says they can't do it, you just got to put in the hours. I'm proof of that. Yeah. Love
2: it. Well, the- the, talking about your voice, the the song uh, "Golden," uh, I read as a tribute and in, in, in a way to to Chris Cornell, who um, passed away just over five years now in May. Geez, May that long,
1: uh, I know. Yeah, hard to believe. May
2: May eighteenth, two thousand seventeen, and uh, I had a lot of explaining to do to my son because I got him heavily into to Soundgarden. And how, how big of an influence was was Chris? Um, to you as not only a fan of his music but also as a vocalist like what what what's your take on him
0: you know i think it was a it was a like it, it was a trajectory like this that i got into chris cornell and more and more and more and more and more over the years you know and i and it's not to say that i didn't start out as the sound garden fan but this is you know from from start to finish the things that chris has taught me um When I initially found Soundgarden, um, you know, I'm all about watching bands live and and trying to, you know, take everything that I can from from watching a band live. And, you know, when I initially discovered Soundgarden, somewhere along the line, I saw clips and Chris was having an off night or something Mm -hmm. and just wasn't sounding his best, which is, you know, for someone who sings like like he does and with such conviction. Uh, I'm sure is, is, you know, more often than not, you find yourself struggling to to keep your voice. But for whatever reason, I just, you know, kind of wrote them off as not being a good singer and silly me, uh, you know, to not uh, let somebody have an off night <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, and not write them off. I mean, geez, now I see the exact struggle of what that means. So, you know, but in the early days, I, I kind of I loved what they did on the studio, but I was just always like, but he can't pull it off live. So I just have this hesitation to just go in full on loving the band. And the more and more as, as I got older and understood, you know, I stopped being as fickle as, as I once was and, and being as judgmental as I once was uh, learned quickly that this guy's just putting everything into every note, you know, it's yeah. just that it's just simply that and you you can't, the, and he's just human at the end of the day and and you know the more and more i dug into the catalog the more and more the, the deep cuts that you hear i mean gee songs like mailman and 4th of july i mean can you get any heavier and, and melodic at the same time it's just it's just insane and then to learn just all these things that you know have gone that have made me go down this rabbit hole of learning more about chris cornell you learn that He tuned the guitar to his vocal melodies.
1: Who does that? Who does that? (laughs) I've
0: never heard of that. The ear is just just as good as the voice. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Just a genius.
1: I think for me, um, I think it was in, you know, I was a kid during the early, like sort of 91 grunge movement, but I was one of the early movements I picked up on. And then, you know, of course MTV nineties, you know, Soundgarden glory everywhere, you know, and then, um, then AudioSleve came out, and Shane, you remember that? Like, I was yeah. in college, and I just said, "This, there's a whole new level to this, and it's just great." Yeah. Hang on one second. I'm sorry. I got it. Sorry, I thought that I put that on mute. No worries. <laughs>
0: but yeah, I mean, even even like, even at the end, you know, the, a couple a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months, the, like the one story that I have, uh, the full circle moment for me. Um, is that we were playing Webster Hall um, in the, the, the smaller venue downstairs, and we were seeing posters of Soundgarden. Soundgarden's playing tomorrow. I, hey, did you hear Soundgarden's playing tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. can we try to stay? Can we, like, skip tomorrow's show and just stay? Uh, no, we can't. Ah, Okay but we found out that they were actually sound checking upstairs for for the next night's show wow. in, in the bi- in the big room in at Webster Hall so one at a time we were like sneak up this is the way to go go through the coat check you got to climb <laughs> this little stairs don't let anybody see you. <laughs> right right like, all right it's, it's my turn my turn so I, I went upstairs and there were like you know just the crew up there you know like t- maybe 20 people in the room and including the band and they're up there and they're sound checking and I'm walking down the aisle Webster hall. And I hear them sound checking fresh tendrils, which is like, just such a deep track, but such a, a, just such an angelic vocal performance from Chris on the, on the record. And I walked in the room and he's just singing it to absolute perfection. And in that moment of time, I ate so much crow. It was just, I was like, all right, all right. Yep, this is this is that special <laughs> moment for me where I've gotta say, I'm wrong.
2: I'm wrong.
0: This guy is killing it, you know. And at that point I was I had been a huge Soundgarden fan. I've totally forgotten about, you know, and read all the articles about him blowing his voice on the first audio slave record and just all that stuff. And that, you know, that just made me think that this guy is just sings with such conviction. You know, maybe not the best technique, but that doesn't take anything away from him as a singer.
1: Yeah, yeah. What? Um, how do you uh, like preserve your voice? I mean, how do you? You know, because that's is there. There's got to be a pressure in that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't drink on tour. I don't eat a lot of spicy foods. I've got terrible heartburn. I take four pills oh, a yeah. day for it. So, so I've got to really, really watch myself. Um, I totally change my my life to to, uh, you know, be revolve around my singing and my performance, because that's the last thing that I want to do to anybody is to show up and have one night off. And that person say, you know what, Crobot sucks. They can't, po- they can't mm. do it. They can't do it live and, and have that solely on my shoulders, mm. you know, is, is too much of a burden for me to, uh, to carry, uh, you know, so I, I just try to do everything in my power to, to maintain, uh, proper vocal health because let's be honest your body does not think about how your vocal cords feel it's the last yeah. thing that it worries about from a day-to-day hey. basis
2: we, i i've we've unfortunately not had a chance to see you guys yet we, we are we are going to uh but we've heard so many great things about you guys being live and and i've read interviews where you said that you know you consider yourselves to be a live band first do you do you kind of consider um a lot of bands aren't like that nowadays. It's their studio first, and it comes out live. I mean, even Kiss, unfortunately, is dealing with this right yeah. now. But yeah. they, they've paid their dues, so it doesn't matter, right? It's it. different, yeah. But um, you know, a lot of bands resort to tapes and things like that when when they're live. And uh, how do you look at that? How do you how does that sit with you? Um, some
0: guys need it. <laughs> some guys. Some guys should perform to taste uh and (laughs) some of us who are still able to i think shouldn't you know um you know i don't like this this whole oh well the band that plays before you is using them so how are you going to compete with that you compete with that with real instruments that's how you do it you put on a real show Um, you know we are we we it's taken us so long to even venture in the world of like kempers and profiling amps I mean, it's game changing. Don't get me wrong. Like when you're when you have to fly to a gig and you can't take everything with you, and having these amps that weigh as much as a VCR, I mean, is it's just a game changer. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Uh, I, you know, but we're always a band that we need to have amps on stage. It doesn't matter if we're running profilers or not. You know, everything's real. Everything's us playing. Um, but you know, this new modern technology leaves things a little a little easier. But We'll still always have amps on stage. We'll still always be, uh, you know, really playing up there. And if I have an off night, it's because I have an off night, and I'm right. gonna own up to it. You know, I'm and and I'm gonna put that on myself. And you know what? That's gonna make me go out tomorrow, and I'm gonna, you know, make up twice fold for last night. So, uh, you know, I I think it's it's a mixed bag. You know, because I think some of these legacy bands who. Who go out there and you're just there because you want to sing along. It doesn't matter. You know, it does, you know, uh, I'm not gonna name any names. I don't want to call anybody out, but I've seen some videos of some bands out there that are, you know, some legacy bands that just play to tape, man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just play to tape. Everybody's there singing the words to every one of these songs anyway. So just give them give them their money's worth in playing to tape. You know, yeah. but for the most part, I say, nay, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. We've never been a fan. Um, we do have tracks, but they are, they are intros and they are parts of the show. Right. You know, that's, that's where we like to keep that uh, Avenue. You know, we like to go down that Avenue in that way and not, not, not during the songs, you know, we, we like to make it a part of the show and the theatrics, but yeah. You no, know, we don't we don't play the tracks and we we never will play the tracks.
2: Would yeah. would we be would we be surprised that, I mean you've toured with a lot of bands? I mean you've toured the world many times over. Would would we be surprised at the number of bands that do use tapes?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: think so because you know, and it's a lot of it's not a lot of it's not a crutch. A lot, right. A lot. A lot of it's just to make things sound as as best as it possibly can and you know you, a lot of these bands use those 808 bass drops and in their music and we've never been never been a band to do that you know if it's a bass drop it's actually the bass doing it uh so um you know uh, it, it's it, there's a lot of it out there but i don't think a lot of it in the way that people think know it's not a lot of guys out there just singing over tracks and you don't know where the track begins and where the actual voice ends there's some of that out there um but for the most part it's just it's just for more added flair if you will you know and that's you know that goes back to the philosophy of oh well this last band did 808 drops so if we don't do 808 drops and we're on after them we're not going to sound as big and it's like that doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't care are you really doing it that's what that's what matters to me i mean i'm a musician so yeah. i know we're a, a small percentage of the audience but
1: is there a venue you've played where uh, you got there and you're like wow this is this is really it this is that whole new level you know speaking of live shows like is there like a, a, a i know there's many you guys have played so many landmark venues but are, are there one or two or three that stand out to you as just legendary you know and wow here we are on that stage you know
0: Man, I love playing the old theaters, um, you know, because because, you know, they're built, they were built so long ago and so many, so many acts and bands and, you know, every, you know, so many performers have graced that stage before you. It's like, you know, the spirit is there You know, and there's there's a certain spirit and aura in some of these places. uh one place i'm remembering just right off the top of my head in my memory palace is the fillmore in in, yes. in san fran oh, yeah. uh we 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 played with motorhead and i can still take myself back to that moment where we played there and i was just like i'm watching motorhead right <laughs> now here I, yeah. you know what, what is going on right now <laughs>
1: Well, we have to ask you, do you have any, I don't know if you met Lemmy, but I, sorry if I stole this from you, Shane, but do you have any, any, yeah, this is our question. (laughs) Yeah, Shane, Shane founded this question, but, uh, do you have any, um, like, uh, Lemmy stories or, you know, anything that Lemmy did that night that was just so Lemmy? (laughs) Yeah, he's just so
0: rock and roll, you know, the guy, uh, and and especially in the tour that that we were out with him, um, you know, he had to cancel quite a few dates because his health wasn't uh, wasn't the best, you know. And that ended up being his last U.S. tour that we were out with him on. Um, so to see him be the way he was in the state that he was in made it especially uh, special. And and looking back in hindsight, it was it made it even more of an experience to just you know, I just remember the first time we were scared as hell going on that motorhead tour, you know, <laughs> cause we were like, really, we're going to be opening up for Lemmy is yeah. anybody not going to throw tomatoes at us to start the show? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so, um, but we, we rolled in there. The crew is amazing. Um, all the guys in the band were amazing. Um, and just that first time, I just remember that first time seeing Lenny in a room and I was probably a hundred feet away from him, but I could feel it. You know, you, he, he would just move his head in your direction and you'd be like, <laughs> I feel it. That's yes. the guy, that's, that's the guy, <laughs> you know, and it, it's just, he, but even still like he took the time after shows to go out in the audience and talk to his fans like his crew had to pull him away from his fans and you know a guy like that who you consider a a, a rock god is still taking the time to just talk to people and talk to his fans and not even blink an eye at it it was just it was amazing yeah. it was an amazing thing to be a part of
1: yeah so i him on ice Wait. fest and um yeah. he it was so cool. Cause like, it was just like, they were, op- I forget, like they were, they were sort of set up like the opening band, but like all they needed was just a big stack of Marshall's and amps that came out. Um, and he just would do the to- the Heineken, raise the Heineken glass, and toast to everybody. And but they just they he, he just plugged in, and it was like, oh god, it was just like literally plug and play, and just so heavy. And he was so yeah. chill. And um, I think if his schedule wasn't so tight, he would have done the same thing, just worked the fans and everything. But it was like, man, I never. I, that was one of those bands I never thought I would see. You know, I only saw them once, but it was just like, holy crap, you know, so amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just what a band. I mean to be get to be together for 40 years is just yeah. such a feat. It's just such an incredible feat. No, you know, it's very unheard of. Yeah.
2: We all we all thought he was going to live forever. Uh you know, unfortunately he, he did not, but he uh did you feel like did you get the impression from him or just his behavior that he knew that the end was coming soon or was he was he was he just living it day to day
0: no i don't think he could come to terms with that um you know because there were a few times where we'd see him you know being pushed around in a wheelchair Mm. and as soon as he he would see us or anybody you know in on the tour package seeing him in a in a in a wheelchair he would immediately get up and try to walk around so he was just way too proud even even in the very end you know he the dude died with his boots on just as he said he would. So, yeah. you know, it's like uh, how more, much more rock and roll it gets. I don't, I don't think there's an answer to that.
2: Yeah. What was it like uh, just to switch off a of Lemmy? What was it like to work with Jay uh, in the, uh, in the pro- production chair uh, on this new record? Uh, Jay's work with, you know, Stone Sour Anthrax. I could go on uh, Corey Taylor. Um, yeah, what was it like
0: <laughs> yeah uh, Jay as soon as we had the first conversations with him we knew that it was going to be the record that we always wanted to make you know he, he's a rock guy first and foremost and makes rock records yeah. which is you know a, that's checking all the boxes in our, our checklist but he does it in such a way of um, in such a process that's just unheard of these days he, he works a song at a time you do one song until it's finished and then you move on to the next one. You know, I think the recording world has gotten so complacent in in doing this whole thing that works logistically, you know, let's set up the drums and keep them set up for a week. And, you know, let's not, we're not touching the mics because this is the sound that we want to have for the whole record. So we got to do the drums, all the drums in, in this week. Um, You know, meanwhile, I'm sitting there for three weeks being like, when put me in coach you know (laughs) where whereas this this process that jay works in you know working a song at a time you know obviously we had the the space to do it and we were working out of a studio that that really uh led us to be able to to work in this fashion but you know we we just did a song at a time we just focused everything on one song at a time and i think that the songs really um, we're strengthened because of that. You know, we, we, we got to, uh, put everything all into them and then, and then call them done at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. To see someone like him working, I mean, were you just kind of amazed by his, like his focus and his just, you know, as he's locked in, you know, he seems like one of those guys who's just so driven, obviously, but just locked into what they do. Are you there? I did the signal freeze. I think it, I think it froze. Yeah, I think it froze. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take it. I was like, <laughs> uh, Brandon. Hi, hey, Shane. Yeah, the band, the, the bandwidth is band doing that. Uh, let me see. Oh, there he Start. is. Oh, move it. I oh, hear cool. you. I think uh,
0: I think I heard I heard oh. a, a, a good portion of that. Yeah, you know, uh, that yeah, gonna... type of guy that gets locked into what he does.
1: Yeah, like what was it like? Just seeing his focus and seeing his, uh, you know, him do his thing.
0: Um, it it was like it was a, a breath of fresh air because we're like, ah, oh, good. This is this guy works like we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, and and Corey did on the last record too. Um, you know, but um it's nothing's more frustrating than getting in there and and realizing that you're not going to be able to work as hard as you want to work and that was not the case with Jay uh you know Jay was and and the other cool thing about Jay is really he just he made everything sound the best that it could hit record and just kind of turned us loose and let us be us and I, I I loved that about him you know he didn't He didn't put the microscope to to lyrics or anything like that. I mean, and maybe it was just because we were so prepared going into it that nothing really jumped out at him as as needing um, a fresh set of eyes on. But, you know, he just kind of turned us loose and made everything sound like a big, huge rock record, which is exactly what we've always wanted.
1: Mm. Awesome. So cool.
2: Do you is it is it kind of hard? being out there being in a rock band right now I mean everything's done now on streams of course you guys have you know 30 million plus gone uh, things just aren't done the way they, they used to be do you kind of wish things were back to the way they were in, you know, 1980 or something
0: you know I go back and forth with this I don't think so you no. know I no. and the reason I say that is because it's a lot harder it's a lot harder now And I think that that means that the rest of us who are still here are the ones who really, really love it and really, really enjoy it. And we're, we are the music lovers. We are the music lover musicians, you know, and not to say that the guys in the eighties and seventies and sixties, you know, weren't loving what they're doing. I'm sure they were loving what they're doing, Um, you know, (laughs) but now, now in, 2022 as a musician you have to wear so many hats that you know it's it's like being an entrepreneur really you know you you can't gone are the days where it's somebody else's job right. But that's what i love about it right. because you have to be fully fully submersed in all of this stuff you know we're the guys crunching the numbers we're the guys making the budgets we're the guys swiping the cards we're the guys you know we're the guys making the insurance policies you know what i mean so this isn't the stuff that the bands of the 70s and 80s would be doing but you know i think that that's going to lead to us being on a trajectory that's way more sustainable you know and and we're not just out here playing music It's, it's way more than that now and i love that about
1: what's well, cool well, like cool. you know if it's if it's like you connecting with the fans on on social media right like sometimes it's yeah one of the bigger bands nothing against it but they have like you know they have staff doing that you know and it's totally fine but like it's probably it's like people are more likely to see you like on social media interacting with folks it's fair to say like you know
0: yeah yeah you know and and it's like you said we we still have uh you know our camp Sure, of course. Post things up because you know we're still we're still human at the end of the day, and yeah, yeah. you know I still I still love my my time with my daughter. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: right, yeah, you've got to uh, absolutely love you know. your life. Yeah, yeah. So you got to balance. You got to balance the two, but um, yeah, and and even more so, like we. That's why we like to bounce around the crowds. We you know we don't like to hide. We we know that that this the connection with your fans is the biggest thing because you know I say this all the time if it weren't for the fans it would be real awkward getting up there and playing on stage. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think a lot of the older guys like Dee Snyder, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, True, Little yeah. Steven. I mean they they're they're very social media conscious and yeah. and they're always always giving of themselves and their opinions uh, some some of which are, are quite hilarious uh, <laughs> and sort, unforgiving, but um, or, or the David Cover, <laughs> the David Coverdale memes are great. That'll get you through a day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating how you have to have to change in uh, how everybody's had to change in, in yeah. the last decade.
0: Yeah, it's a different world now. It's a completely different world. And, you know, I've fought it for so long and I think I'm finally at the point where, you know, it's, def- it's not it's, it's, it's not changing, I'm the one who has to change, right? So, yep. uh, and I look at this all as unique opportunity. It's, it's a unique opportunity to, to, to one-on-one connect with your fan base. And it's a unique opportunity to, to advertise for free. You know, gone are the days of hanging posters on telephone poles. You know, nobody yeah. gets their info that way anymore. So, yeah. but it's, isn't it cooler that, you know, I can talk to you guys from across the country. That's I great. think that's even yeah. cooler yeah.
1: yet, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that came out of the pandemic for us was, you know, obviously for everybody really with the zoom, but the, the to be able to, cause we were doing mostly phone interviews, right. Remember those old days, Shane, you know, <laughs> yeah. which were great, you know, great, but like, you know, the visual interaction, you what? can't beat that. Yeah
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> we love what we love what you guys are doing oh yeah can't it's wait to uh yeah are, are you are you uh, are you into to record collecting and stuff like that are you a vinyl vinyl freak oh like, yeah. yeah yeah
0: i think i'm somewhere over 200 nice. vinyl right on. so and i can't claim it all it's i've i've inherited quite a bit um you know some some is my own hoarding but uh a lot <laughs> i've inherited but yes, I'm a huge, huge vinyl collector.
2: Is that something you do on the road when you, when you when you go out? You hit up all the record stores in the cities you, you go to.
0: Yeah, we actually just played uh, Waterloo Records in Austin uh, right before I flew home, um, right. and I bought I bought my daughter her first vinyl. Um, what was it? her name is presley so of course i got her elvis presley live (laughs) at madison square garden Uh, player home we have yet to open that one up but uh you know i'm i'm excited to to introduce her to the process of of listening to vinyl awesome
1: man um what are some of your favorite gems in your collection like what are you know like what are, are there like prize pieces that you have
0: yeah, I've got a holographic version of Sleep's Dope Smoker that I think is probably, that's one of my favorites. You know, nice. it's got the holographic cover. It's like, I don't know, one of 500 or something. Uh, I mean, they keep re-releasing Dope Smoker and so many different variants now. It's, you know, yeah, one of 500 doesn't mean anything anymore, but still it's, it's one to me that's like, ah, that's cool. That's a cool <laughs> one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that one. Uh, I just got an email right before the this interview uh, coming from Third Man Records. They, uh, they're doing the super deluxe version of Dope Smoker with extra stuff. So. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a it's cool. vault. They, they they do this vault thing. Jack White is uh, also a very avid music collector, and he wanted to make something special for for people that you had to join, kind of like a club. And that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's the only way you can get. I I think that stuff will keep records going for a long time.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's it's it was like a defibrillator, right? Because in the 90s there were no vinyl. Vinyl went away yeah. for yeah, it was gone, a long yeah. time there, so. So it's cool to see, you know, guys like that coming in and saying, "You know what? This never was a thing. Let's let's make this a thing because yeah. nobody had the chance to buy it."
2: Yeah. So, do you guys have do you guys have say over what what your records look like? The color of the vinyl all that oh, stuff? Oh yeah. Or- Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. We're, we're huge into being a part of all that stuff. Um, You know, Bishop mostly does all the artwork. Um, You know, he's done all the artwork for all the records outside of this one actually being a photo. Um, You know, we, we put together all that stuff. We try to keep everything in house. That's cool. What's how next, cool is it
2: having, having him in austin by the way that's my last question <laughs> that's
0: oh, what... I, I love it i love it i get to fly in i get to fly out i don't get the i don't have to live there but i get to experience it and that's yeah. what i love
1: great city <laughs> man. it's yeah it's yeah. a great oh, it's great, such city. great city yeah. yeah that's awesome what's next for you guys yeah, i'm looking at uh, some tour dates and song kick you guys are in vegas august 19th is that right uh, at Psycho yeah. Las Vegas. And then you head over to Europe, uh, Brussels, Manchester, London. Uh, that's a little bit later in December. So there, are there some shows in between there, I guess, between August and December?
0: Yeah, we've got uh, something lined up, not quite set in stone yet for uh, end of summer, early fall. Um, and then uh, November to December with, with Airborne and Blues Pools Overseas. So that around the year out for us.
1: That's right. cool. have you guys played over there before have you guys played europe before
0: yeah quite a quite a few times yeah. and uh love it over there yeah so very excited to get back
1: yeah the the fans are so passionate aren't they they're just so diehard
0: <laughs> yeah, they really are they really are and and uh i i really think that we're we're a really uh european sounding band too mm. I, i've always thought that about us and i, I think uh you know, fa- fans tend to get it a little more over there uh, mm-hmm. quicker, I should say, than they do. Yeah, they do. Sometimes maybe in the Midwest.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it takes a little bit, right?
0: A lot it of takes stuff. a little bit <laughs> sometimes. The it opposite of the '70s, sometime. where
1: it was like you know the U.S. the Midwest picked it up big time before anybody else in the '70s. But nowadays, you're right. It's like <laughs> they're just they're ragged yeah. over there. Yeah.
0: Well, listen. In their defense, I birth out of an egg wearing gold spandex every night on, <laughs> on stage. So
2: it's a little much. It's a little much. <laughs> it was very I was going yeah, yeah. How does that work in the heat? That that suit that uh, suit, <laughs> the spandex. Oh, it
0: doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. That's the first thing I do when I get off stage is peel that thing off with a yeah. <laughs> I
1: Love it. That's awesome. Oh, we,
2: we can't yeah, wait Brent. for you to come to Philly.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. It'd be a sort of a homecoming of sorts for you guys, right? That'd be awesome. Man. Yeah.
0: Can't yeah, like yeah. Absolutely.
1: Here. That's awesome. Awesome. Brandon uh, from Cobot, the album, of course, feel this uh, is out now and it's smoking one. You know, I did have one question for you. Like when um, that I, I, I kind of moved to my list, but when, when uh, low life took off, it was that just, that was must've been just insane for you guys. Like, yeah, like, you know, it, like?
0: it, it's, it's crazy because like, you know, the accolades don't feel real and until they're actually like, hey here you go this was top 10 on billboard you know and you have in your hands and it's like wow that did really happen but in the moment it was you know we were out on tour and you know much like we always are we're just grinding every day and we take it day to day to day really Um, but the moment I realized that things were were different was when we started playing low life and just hearing people sing all the words and like you, you could tell like in the during the set like that was the moment where people connected and it was like all right this is this is what it's all about this is what it's like for for people to, to know your music yeah
1: yeah <laughs> awesome man well, we can't wait to see you guys like a, like shannon in philly and uh just uh, keep on rocking brother we, we're proud of everything you're doing man
0: awesome thanks man yeah hope to get to philly soon
2: keep rocking man i can't wait to hear what's next and i hope uh golden tears it up this, this, this summer <laughs> Oh, so good yeah oh, so thanks. good
1: thanks so guys yeah amazing Appreciate work it. you guys thank you thank you take yeah, care yeah of course.
0: Course. yeah peace see you guys see it yeah